Wonderful. Thank you, Nathaniel. Come on, man. Look at that. Outstanding. He did it. Well, what a great night we're having. Isn't it wonderful? Doesn't it just do you good to celebrate? It's just... Okay, we've got to be better than that. Doesn't it do you good to celebrate? It does. It's just a good thing to do. There's a lot of bad news out there, a lot of nasty stuff, and isn't it amazing that we can celebrate together? And I just want to add my personal congratulations to all the graduates tonight. They have done amazing. I had an incredible time sharing with them uh, and being together, as I'm sure other lecturers have, and they really were very kind to me. They were very nice to me. So everything I asked them to do, they did. So that was brilliant. Um, and they're just outstanding. And I would want to affirm with Jody. Yeah. <laughs> just as the word of the Lord for you, you are an extrovert. Just relax. It's uh, just go with the flow on that one. Absolutely. 100%. But a joy, a joy, a joy to be with you. So thank you. Uh, Steve, thank you for the introduction, the kindness. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we bring greetings from one church. That's the church I'm a part of. Simon and Ali Jarvis lead that church. They send their love and greetings to you. We're one church in six different expressions and locations. And like you, a growing vibrant church committed to training and reaching uh, our world. And, uh, and so it's a joy to bring their greetings. Also, my wife Dawn, we've been married 30 years. Uh, two weeks ago, we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary in Berlin. So that was lovely. Yes, it's had a great time. Three children, uh, Elena, our oldest, she's a children's pastor uh, up in sunny Scunthorpe, up north. Uh, up in the frozen north. And so she's up there with her husband, Dan, and he's the associate pastor of an AG church there. My son, Simeon's with us in Gloucester. He works in Gloucester with us. He's 21. And then our youngest daughter, Beth Ann, 17, uh, going on 30, uh, but 17, uh, lives with us at home. Uh, as I said this morning, uh, learning to drive. So if you do come to Gloucester, let us know, and we'll let you know she's off the road when she's there. So and then, of course, the sausage dogs. We have two gorgeous sausage dogs. They love to be remembered to everybody. Our boy's sausage dog is called Pepperoni, and the girl's sausage dog is Salami. And they send their love to you. And that's us. That's who we are. Uh, and that's our world. And we love Jesus. We love the church. And we love this sort of event because uh, we are absolutely committed to doing everything we can to serve His purpose and hopefully to help others serve their purpose in God as well. So if you have a Bible, I have a short reading from the Bible for you, um, and I'm going to share it just for a few moments uh, tonight with that. Now let me just check, am I on the clock there? Let me just, I'll stick my watch on there so I know what I'm doing. Brilliant. Okay, so it's Genesis chapter 11, and I'm going to read from verse 27 into chapter 12. And it says this, uh, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in heir of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, 
and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, that sounds like a, a bit of a weird reading for a night like this, where we've been celebrating these amazing people who over the last 12 months have made the most incredible journey. But as I thought about tonight, and as I thought about the story, there was a little phrase in this story that I want to make the basis of my appeal tonight, both to our robed ones as well as to those in the room who are not robed tonight. Because although I'm sort of speaking to this wonderful group of people, I'm really speaking to everybody in the room. So if you don't have a robe on like they do, don't switch off. Uh, stay with me for the next uh, few minutes or so. And I don't know if you noticed this wonderful but troubling little phrase in, this, in the sense of our story. It says this, that, that actually when they came to Haran, they settled there. Interesting little phrase. It just dropped in. The Bible does that. It drops in little areas of detail. And, and it does that so that we will just pause for a moment or two and ask some questions. And when I read a passage like that, and I come across a phrase that says they settled there, even though they were going somewhere else, my immediate reaction, and maybe it's the way I'm wired or whether it's the way I've been trained, I ask the question, Why? Why did they settle there? Why did they settle there? And actually, I want to sort of answer that question in a way of challenging us not to settle. Now, we've been celebrating these amazing guys. What a long walk you had to make across there. That's a long way, right? But you were basking in the glory as we were going across, and rightly so. Now, these guys have made an amazing journey, and we have been celebrating tonight. And one of the easiest things to do is to sort of just celebrate and then, and then stop. But actually, in one sense, this is an end for them. In another sense, it's a sort of a beginning. And, and of course, as, as Pastor Steve said, he encouraged them to go from here and change their world. That's really the whole point of this. But it's interesting. There's something with us all that likes to settle. And, and if you know anything about the Bible, maybe you're a first-time guest here, or maybe you've been a, a Christian for a long time, the story of Abraham, the man mentioned here, is an amazing one. In fact, his story goes on right through to chapter 25 of Genesis. He, he, he lives for, well, at least till, till he's 140 years of age. Incredible life of, of blessing. This, this man goes on, and he does some of the most amazing things in the context of his life. But actually, actually, all of that is being put under jeopardy because he's settling here. Because where he's settling is not where God wants him to be. 
And actually, there's something within us all that's tempted to settle. Now, now let me just say this to everybody before I I get to my, my sort of key encouragements to you. There's nothing wrong with settling as long as it doesn't prevent us going. Yes? So we're all sort of creatures of routine and creatures of habit. Uh, The chances are, if you're a regular here at C3, you probably took the same route to the church that you did last Sunday, and you're probably sitting roughly in the same seat this week that you sat last week. I stayed in the Premier Inn last night, uh, drove up from Haverhill where I was ministering yesterday, and Premier Inn have these humongous beds, and I had this whole bed to myself, and yet I slept on the side I normally sleep at. At home. I mean, I could spread out and take the whole bed to myself, but I have slept on the bit that I normally... What is that? That's, that's, that's us being sort of routine and habit and, and settled. And there's actually nothing wrong with that. In fact, good, healthy lifestyle is made up of routine and habit. So there's nothing wrong with that, except that it, 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 when it stops us going. So if whatever we're doing, if whatever we're settling into is stopping us from going somewhere or going into something or doing something else, then it becomes a problem. And in fact, the settling here, some scholars suggest that they settle for as long as 15 years. So they're not just stopping for a cup of coffee in the motorway calf. They're not just getting off the camel and, you know, giving their buttocks a massage while they, while they have a rest for a day or two. They, they settle for maybe as long as 15 years. So their settling stopped them going. Now, that's a really challenging thought for everyone in the room. There's nothing wrong with settling as long as it doesn't stop you going. Here's the second idea I want you to think just by way of introduction. Settling has nothing to do with your age. It's everything to do with your attitude. Come on now. I've met 15-year-olds who are boring. Like seriously. It looks like they've got an exciting life to an older person like me, a 51-year-old, but when I analyze their life, it's boring. And in fact, when I look at uh, sometimes people that seem to be having an exciting life, I'm thinking, I'm living a more radical life than you are. I've met 65-year-olds that are going. Now, I've also met 65-year-olds that are boring. And I've met 15-year-olds that are going. All right? So I'm just, the, the point is this. Settling has nothing to do with how old you are. Is it to do with your attitude? I, I remember meeting an older lady. She was in her 60s. And she started the conversation off and she said to me, in my day... That was the start of the conversation. And I stopped her. And I said, darling, listen, listen to me. I had a good relationship with her. I said to her, are you breathing in and out? Are you alive? She said, of course I am, pastor. I said, well, then it's still your day. Now, I know what she meant. I know what she meant. She meant when she was younger that. But actually, the language was all wrong. The language is the language of settling. In my day, suggesting that her day's over. Well, your day's not over until it's over. You will die soon enough. Don't die until then. Amen? Still, stay alive till you die. 
And actually, whether you're 15 or 65 or 85, whatever, whatever category you fit in, listen, it's nothing to do with your age. It's everything to do with your attitude. Abraham entered the land of promise at 75. And his greatest adventures lay ahead at 75. His life ahead of his 75th birthday was more exciting than what had gone before. It's not to do with how old you are, it's to do with your attitude. Amen? Amen. Here's the third thing by way of introduction I want you to see. Settling has less to do with where you are and more to do with how you are. So settling's not about geography. Settling's about the how of your world. And actually, that's a really important idea because you, you can be in a situation and actually where you are, it's difficult and challenging, or where you are, you are super, super, super happy. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as the high in that moment is about moving forward in God. And that's the challenge for each one of us. That's the challenge for these great guys here who've had an amazing year together and they've made an incredible journey. But actually, actually, the Lord doesn't want them to settle and he doesn't want me and you to settle. He wants us to have an attitude that actually in him, until the day it shuts down and we're shut down, there's an opportunity to keep going. An opportunity to keep growing an opportunity to keep expanding. Amen? That applies to everybody in the room. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this applies to you. If you are a follower of Jesus, we believe there is an extra special supernatural dynamic to this call, to this idea. Actually, Jesus doesn't want me to settle. Jesus doesn't want me to stay where I'm not supposed to stay. Jesus doesn't want me to live in the wrong attitude. Jesus doesn't want me to settle for less than he has designed for me. He wants me to keep going. Because he loves me, as we talked about uh, this morning. So why did they settle? Are there any clues in the text that give us an idea? Well, I think there are actually three incredible clues in this text. I'm going to share them with you for just a few minutes together. Why did they settle? Here's clue number one, or suggestion number one. They settled because they had come a long way. So if you look at the map, from where they left, Ur of the Chaldeans, up and over to Haran, and then down into Canaan. And if you looked at that on a map, it is like an upside down U. Okay, so they're coming from sort of, sort of uh, the, the eastern direction, and then they're coming up north and over and down into Canaan. And if you were to track the journey, it's roughly, scholars have looked at it, people have suggested, it's roughly about a thousand miles journey. That's a long way on the back of a camel, right? We're talking buttocks of steel here uh, on the back of the camel. So that's a long, long way from Ur of the Chaldeans to Canaan. But Ur of the Chaldeans to Haran is 600 miles. So when they arrive at Haran, they have already gone over halfway. And could it be the fact that they've traveled so far and so well encouraged them to think, let's have a break. Come on, look how far we've come. Look how well we've done. Look how much ground we've covered in such a short time. We've done great. Camels need a rest. We need a rest. My buttocks need a rest. Let's just, have a, let's just settle down here for a little while. We've come a long way. And it's true. 
they have. Now, here's the tension for the Christian. Here's the tension for our robed ones. Tension is we want to celebrate the journey you have made. And it's right to pause, stop, celebrate, have a great dinner together, and enjoy the moment. That is an absolutely brilliant thing to do. And C3 Church have done that wonderfully and brilliantly well, right? But one of, the, one of the subtle tensions and dangers then is, actually, we go, wow, look at the journey I've made. Look how far I've come. Look how much I've done. Look, look, look at how much I've achieved. Therefore, let's just chill a little bit. Let's just slow down. Let's just take it easy. Now, there's nothing wrong with celebrating, and we should celebrate, and we must celebrate, and I love celebrating, but we mustn't allow a celebration to turn into the excuse not to advance and not to increase. This moment is not about this moment. This moment is about the next moment. Today is about preparing us for a tomorrow that is coming. And so we, we want to be people, yes, we have come a long way. And quite literally, some of these students, the journey they've made in a year has been colossal. Absolutely colossal. You know, as, as someone who's been involved in helping, training, coaching, educating people for many, many years, I, I, I never just look at where someone is. I always want to know where did they come from. Hearing somebody's story, and I've met people over the years who have no right to achieve what they achieved. They've no right to get to that place because everything in their world was militating against them. And when they did achieve it, they would have had every right to go, do you know what? I've done really well. Let's just hang around here in the really well bit for a while. Look how far I have come. And actually, that's one of the most subtle Little things that could get into our heart and stop us going to the next stage. Churches, settle. Because, hey, this is good. Absolutely, of course it's good. It's marvelous. Look how far we've come. Of course. But there is more. Look how far I've come as an individual. Of course. Amazing. But there is more. Look how much I've learned. Wow. But there's more to learn. I, and and I, want to cha- I want to take up the challenge that Pastor Steve, Steve took up. I want to challenge some of you. Maybe you're in this room and you need to take up the challenge of academy. Because actually you've got a wee bit settled. And you just need something that will push you a little bit, that will cajole, cajole you a little bit, train you, empower you, impact you and equip you so that actually something comes into your world and goes, come on, move to the next stage. Come on, let's do it. Let's go for it. I... I've had the privilege of, of an incredible life of training and education. I've been blessed by, by uh, uh, Mattersea Bible College in training me when I was a youngster from 1984 to 87. I spent three years there, did my master's with them, did my PhD with them. I've been blessed by people who've invested into my life. But believe it or not, every Tuesday night, at least for 30 nights of the year this year, I will close myself into the dining room, I will open up my laptop, and I will sign in to an online platform to do a night course. And I'm doing a night course in something I already have a basic knowledge in, but I realized I was settled. I realized I'd sort of settled down in what I thought was good enough. For me, And actually, the Lord was provoking me to another level on this thing. And so, actually, a sign-up cost me a fortune. It's costing me Tuesday evenings and all the homework that goes with it. I've already got a PhD. 
What do you want to do more homework for? But there's something within me that realizes there's more. There's more. There's more. There's not just Haran. There's more. However far you've come, there's more. However far you've come, there's more. However much you know, there's more. And that's the, I think that's the spirit of the kingdom of God. I think that's the spirit that we imbibe when we truly engage with the word of God. God wants to grow us and enlarge us and increase us. So listen, you've done amazing. You've traveled a long way. But there's more. There's more. 600 miles. But there's another 400. Come on, let's go. And if you are willing to make the journey, God can do it. Because settling's nothing to do with your age. It's your attitude. Settling's not so much about where you are, it's about how you are. Settling is okay as long as it doesn't stop us from going. Here's the second reason I think they may have settled. So the first reason suggested, hinted in the text is they traveled a long way. The second reason is, I'll I'll frame it like this, it's nice here. Haran Haran was a spectacular city. In, In Abraham's terms, Haran would have been a mega city. Now, in our terms, it's, it's a small place in comparison to the cities we have today in the modern 21st century world. But in Abraham's world, this was a megacity. In fact, one of the spectacular things about Haran, it was it literally set on the join of the trading routes between the east and the west. Therefore, you can imagine it became a fairly spectacular place if you had a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit and an ability to make money. Haran was the place. And actually, fortunes were made and lost in the context of Haran. And I don't know if you noticed in our text, but Abraham made a fortune there. Did you pick that up in the text? I don't know if you noticed it. Dead, dead easy to miss. Here's what it says. Let me remind you of it. Genesis chapter 12. It says, he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. Wow, there's a thought. So they've settled in a place they're not supposed to settle and they've still prospered. Now many people's theology would say that's because you're in the plan of God. You're prospering because God's with you. But actually, they they were probably prospering not just because the Lord was with them, they were probably prospering because they they were good at what they did. And so they prospered. And, and one of the, 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 the things that's so easy to do is, is say, actually, why do we need to move when it's good here? And this is pretty cool here. Haran's pretty nice. All right, it's not Canaan, but it's cool. Why can't we? Stay? We're making pots of cash here. We're growing our estate here. Our portfolio of investments has skyrocketed here. Why can't we stay here? Well, you can, but then we'll miss everything that he's got for us. The story of Abraham and all the adventures that he had and and the things that he went through and ultimately becoming the father of faith would have been lost had Abraham settled for the good of Haran instead of pursuing the great of Canaan. Somebody once said this. It's a brilliant quote. It could be in the Bible, although it's not. He said, good is the enemy of the great. Many people let go of great because they've just 
settle for good. Now, there's nothing wrong. Good's good. Good's better than bad, right? So we'll take good, but the tragedy is many take good when great is waiting. Imagine if this church had settled for good in the school. Come on, it's better than that. Come on now. You're, you're sitting in a spectacular building because a group of leaders said, no, no, this is good, but God's called us the great. Come on now. Now we're benefit. We've now got used to the spectacular building. It's amazing. We're just nice and cool in the beautiful air cooling system that has been installed for us. And we're very, very glad. We've got now used to this. But actually, actually, this, this, this even five years ago was a dream. And what you had five years ago was really, really good. Many people in this country would have given their eye teeth to have what you had five years ago. But there was something in the leadership of this church that said, it's good, but it's not great. It's Haran, but it's not Canaan. Come on now. Come on now. And life can be a wee bit like that. We can be subtly wooed by the good. And I get it, I get it. Good's better than bad, I get it. But good's never as good as great. Now, great's risky. Great's uncomfortable. Great will pressure us. Great will stretch us. There'll be mistakes as we make the journey to great. But had Abram decided to stay in Haran, story would never have been written. And yet today we call him the father of faith because he left. He left Haran. He left the good. And he pursued the great. Come on now. Come on now. And that's got to be the spirit that is in every single one of us. Here's the last thing really quickly. You're doing great and I'm done. All right. Here we go. The last clue in the text. I'll call it peer pressure. Peer pressure. Now, there's an interesting dynamic and we don't get it in the text of Genesis alone. To get this, we've got to jump into the New Testament and grab a piece of text from the book of Acts from a sermon given by a young man called Stephen. And when Stephen is giving this spectacular sermon that ultimately cost him his life, actually, it was that good. <laughs> okay. Uh, when Stephen was giving that sermon, here's what he says. To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. And God said to him, leave your country and your people and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. Now, here's a spectacular tension in this text. So here's what, by putting Stephen together with the Genesis text, here's what we conclude. That actually... When you read the Genesis text, it sounds like Terah, Abraham's father, is the one initiating the journey. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? If you read that, it says, and Terah took, or and Terah left. But actually, when we read Stephen's account, we get this insight that in the era of the Chaldeans, Abraham hears the call of God to go. But somehow, Abraham's father gets in on the journey 
and decides to lead the journey. Now, again, although Abraham's a man at this stage, you know, in his 70s, uh, 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 late 60s and 70s in terms of the era of the Chaldeans, actually, he would still submit to his father. It was a very strong patriarchal culture. So, so he would still submit to the lead of his father on this issue. So here's the tension. God calls Abraham, but Terah takes the lead. And the suggestion is, from the subtle nuances of the text, that it's Terah who's leading the journey to settle down in Haran. And the big clue to that is, Abraham leaves after Terah dies. In other words, the suggestion is that, Terah, that Abraham felt he couldn't move until Terah either moved or died. Wow. The people around us will either inspire us to greatness or hold us to mediocrity. That actually peer pressure is a very powerful thing. Now everybody in the room wants to believe they're not influenced by the people around them. You all want to believe that. I know you believe that, but you are. You're influenced by attitudes at work. You're influenced by your family. You're influenced by your parents. You're influenced by your friends. You're influenced by social media. God help us all. You're influenced by the likes on Instagram. You're influenced by all of that sort of stuff. And actually, it has a subtle, subtle effect on us. And if the world around us keeps saying to us, stay here, stay here, stay here, Stay here. You're fine here. It'll be fine here. Don't, don't worry about more study. Don't worry about more training. Don't worry about going in that direction. <clears throat> Stay here with us. Actually, we have to be a profoundly strong person to push out beyond that. There's also good peer pressure, of course, that actually comes to people and says, come on, you don't need to stay here. You need to move. Move. Why are you still here? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you going forward? Come on. You've settled down. I know it's good here, but there's more. Do you know what? I've made a decision. I'm 51 years of age. I haven't got the time to surround myself with people who want to settle. Honestly, I haven't got the time. I don't want that to sound arrogant or, or, or like superior because it's really not. And anybody who knows me knows that's not part of my world. But I haven't got the time. At 51 years of age, I am now on the clock. And I haven't got the time to sit around with people who want to settle, whose backsides are surgically attached to the fence. I can't do it. I want to be surrounded by people who keep saying to me, come on, better. Come on, challenge that attitude. Come on, you can give more. Come on, you can push further. Come on, you can go further. Come on, you can be a better version of yourself. Come on, you can do this. That's the people I want to surround myself with. And the people you surround yourself with are a measure of your ambition. And if you're surrounding yourself with mediocrity, that's a measure of your ambition. If you're surrounding yourself in a world that's going to provoke you and push you, that's a measure of your ambition. We've got to watch that. Now listen, I'm not talking about missional. I'm not, I'm not talking about cutting ourselves away from people who need Jesus. We need to, we need to be... Uh, given ourselves to that world. I'm talking here about growth and development and equipping and, and growing each other and challenging each other to be better. Get into a Christian community that's going to keep pushing you to be the
the best you can be. That's where you want to be. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, you'd rather just someone leave you alone. But if they leave you alone, you'll settle. I'll settle. But when I'm around people of faith, when I'm around people who know how to, how to uh, operate in faith and money, when I'm around people who are passionate about mission, when I'm around people who are passionate about the Bible, when I'm around people who are passionate about Jesus and His church, it does something to me. It provokes me so that I cannot settle. Don't settle. And Abraham gave up potentially 15 years of his life waiting for his dad to get it. And his dad never got it. His dad died where he settled. I thank God for his dad. Thank God for the people who've helped us. Thank God for the people in our world. But if the people in your world are constantly trying to discourage you from getting to Canaan, then we need to think about changing the people in our world. Seriously. Because God wants you to get somewhere. God wants you to go somewhere. God wants you to achieve something. And it's not just about you. It's about the massive purpose he has to save the world. It's about a purpose of influence in this city. It's about a purpose of changing our nation. And it's about a purpose of reaching a third of the world that still hasn't heard the name of Jesus once. That's what he's interested in. Not just my happiness. Not just the badge in my car. Not just my personal comfort. He's interested in getting me to understand he's committed to a glorious big picture of world transformation. And that won't happen if I settle. Abraham settled there and almost, almost missed it. But God in his grace and mercy reminded him provoked him again God had said to Abraham somewhere in that glorious encounter Abraham heard it again and moved and we are so glad he moved because we were in his loins Christ was in his loins and out of Christ has come every single one of us and because he moved we're here It's never just about Haran. It's never just about Canaan. It's always about something bigger. It's never just about you. It's always about something bigger. And when we get that and understand that, the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to use us in the most glorious way. Amen. Would you stand with me just for a moment? I'm just going to pray for you. We're coming to the end of our service. But I do want to encourage you in this room. Listen, where, wherever you live, wherever you are, settling, there's nothing wrong with it as long as it doesn't stop you going. If what you're doing is stopping you going, stopping you living in a going attitude, then we need to have the courage to let it be challenged. Settling has nothing to do with how old or how young you are. It's to do with the attitude you have. You could be 70 in this room and go again. You could be 15 in this room and go for the first time. Come on. It's not really about where you are. It's not a geographic issue. Although for some people, it can become that. It's really a how you are issue. We sang tonight that we say yes to Jesus. 
we sang tonight you have our yes you have our all you have our heart you have our soul well if he has then we're saying right now Lord where I am I'm prepared to move to where you want me to go whether that's an attitudinal move an action move a physical move a geographic move we're prepared to say Lord I'm not going to settle Spirit, I pray for every person in this room. Something of the spirit of that moment when Abraham heard again the word of the Lord, somehow caught something again and decided to move from what was a good place, a comfortable place, a nice place. But he made the move and he journeyed into purpose. He journeyed into destiny. Lord, I pray that something, something of that attitude something of that faith, something of that word, something of that courage would grip every one of us. Our lives don't look like Abraham's, but Lord, it's the same spirit, it's the same principles, it's the same challenges, it's the same stuff that makes us settle down. Lord, I pray that something of the spirit of God, something of God's vision, something of God's purpose, something of God's agenda will so grip our hearts, oh Lord, that we will move again that we will not settle that we will not just stay where we are but we will make a determination we will go to wherever God wants us to go we will move to wherever the Lord wants us to move we will follow the word of the Lord we will follow the kingdom of God we will take him to our world and Lord I pray that that spirit that attitude will live in each one of us so that in our going Amen. Bless you. Thank you.